bring you startling and fascinating parts of the world just beyond your view so that you can, little by little, come to widen your reaches and accept the weirdness with open arms. I am so proud of you for seamlessly transitioning into what our show is. For once, but in other, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, had but listen, in other words, I had to listen to old episodes. <laughs> <laughs> in other words, we tell you things you didn't know you needed to know. Also, we're not related. Check and check. Mmm, I'm fire. I'm drinking. Me too. Aside from <laughs> that, how you doing? <laughs> mm, okay, got um. Mm, work is making me tired. Got really bad heartburn. Boy trubs. That's short for boy troubles. <laughs> and um. I got this condition, boy trubs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, otherwise things are fine. How about? Oh no, I'm sorry. I forgot this is the part where I tell you what my mother said. Yes. So, uh, I don't remember why we were talking about it, but I was like, yeah, we did the podcast last week. Uh, I talked about bidets, and I realized how much I want a bidet if I ever have a house. And my mother goes, why do you want a bidet? You you don't want a bidet. All anyone does with those is masturbate. And I was like, what? (laughs) She goes, everybody knows it's all anyone does with a bidet. And I was like, <laughs> I didn't read that anywhere. She goes, no. A woman I used to work with told me that everybody masturbates with bidets. I was like, I guess they can, but I don't think that's the prominent usage. I was like, a whole bunch of people like, have them in Japan. And I'm like, you think they're all using it to masturbate? She said, yeah, do your research. Do your research. Everyone I believe masturbates me. with a bidet. Yeah, she said, do your research. You'll see what I mean. I mean, I Googled and it and you? it came up with, like, Reddit. And it was like, do you use bidets to masturbate? But it wasn't just like, number one use of bidet, masturbation. Like, she said it's so matter of fact. Parents so. can have long-held beliefs that are flawed. And then my brother goes, you're going to tell Pete, aren't you? And I uh, said, yeah. Immediately, and my mother says you don't need to tell him everything. And I was like, "You said the research is out there. I'm telling my whole podcast." <laughs> so, yep. I don't know if I talked about it on the show before, but um, I guess I was like a teenager, you know, and like I was rebellious. And so the family was going to the movies, and I was like, "I want to see a different movie." And my mom was like, "We're not going to go see that movie." And I was like, "Fine, I'll go alone." And she goes, "Only perverts go to movies alone." <laughs> And then I was like, oh, God, I can't go to the movie alone. (laughs) And then for many years, I was just like, I can't go to the movies alone. Everybody's going to think I'm a pervert. And And finally, um, he's like, I am a pervert. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. (laughs) And then once Marissa left town and I didn't have anybody to drag to shitty movies and I didn't have a girlfriend to go to the movies with, I was like, screw it. I'm going to go alone. (laughs) Still one of the best experiences of my life was seeing the movie The Boy all alone in the movie theater. I mean all alone meaning no one else is in the theater (laughs) okay okay had a a nice peaceful family easter with just mom oh i i like your mom she brought up so much candy 
And one of the things that she gave me, I don't, I'm going to get around to it, to eating it, but uh, it's a chocolate duck. Ooh, it's a white chocolate fun. duck. And that's the thing. It does sound fun, but when I post a picture of it to Instagram, you're going to be like, oh my God, that's adorable as shit. Aww. <laughs> I'll look at that. Okay. Nobody had candy for me. My grandma always has candy for everyone. It's because you're We've a freak. You can eat candy. I know, but I could eat, well, I could eat very small amounts. Or I had a very nice coworker this week buy me a bunch of sugar-free artisanal. I'm sorry, artisanal. He told me it was artisanal, but it's not. Artisanal uh, peanut butter cups from the Reading Terminal Market. Very nice, very nice. Amazon keeps going like, hey, you remember at Halloween you bought some sugar-free candy? You sure you don't want more? I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> you bought sugar-free candy for Halloween? Yeah, for you. <laughs> Was I there for Halloween? No. I sent it to your house. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Sorry. 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 Icebreaker. So, what you got today on the icebreaker? Oh, that's why I had to go and find my phone. A lot of times, right? Uh, the question yeah, is... right. The question is, you're on death row, and you're going to be... Going to the chair in like two hours. Now okay. it's time to request your final meal. What's it gonna be? We're not gonna do that. What oh, we're gonna okay. do. You just got freed from prison. What's the first meal you're gonna eat? And by the way, while you were in prison, somebody like punched you and knocked all of your food disorders out of you. Oh, then I'm gonna go get like Pizza Hut. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell you, I know that that's so basic, but what I miss more than anything is a soft pizza. I don't mean a soggy pizza. I mean a fluffy pizza where you really sink your teeth into like a thick crust, like a pan crust. Yeah. And there is no gluten-free pan crust. It is all thin shits. All I dream about is a nice f***ing soft-ass pillowy pizza. All I dream of every night. Yeah, yeah. How about you? It's troubling me how much I dream of fluffy exactly. pizza. Exactly. <laughs> um, I did have it. You know what? Yeah. I want the steak and the bro- the, uh, uh, the the roasted broccoli that we had with your cousin. What? <laughs> we went to dessert or dessert. <laughs> What? To, to restaurant week? I don't remember eating roasted broccoli. That's because I paid an upcharge <laughs> to have the steak and the broccoli. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I want that meal. At least weird. right now. We went somewhere that was like fine. It was fine. And Pete was like having the best meal yeah. of his life. <laughs> I, I don't even know. It was just like weird. It was like disconcerting <laughs> how excited he was. I felt like I learned how to roast broccoli pro- properly by finally eating broccoli that I liked the Ooh. amount it was roasted. So have you had roasted broccoli that you've made since? Yes, yes. Good for you. And I have done it-, it correctly. Good for you. Thanks. Oh, man. Oh, but now I'm sorry. I would focus most on dessert, which would be probably like uh, ice cream cake. Oh, dessert? You didn't tell me I get dessert, too. Oh, yeah. And they don't have to be at the same place, so you don't have to have like... Like a dessert pizza. <laughs> Good. I like those, but 
I don't know if I would want a sundae with black raspberry ice cream or if I would want, you know what? I've trained myself so much to like wean myself off of sweets that it's like, it's hard to envision eating a real sweet. Or I would say like a, like a, like a really, really rich cheesecake. Maybe like, I don't know what kind of cheesecake though. I've conditioned myself to not dream about cheesecake. <laughs> The fluffiest so, cheesecake. Oh, no, wait, that's pizza again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I just, like, I try to train myself to not even, like, think about the things I can't eat because it's too sad. So, yeah, I like that. That was a good icebreaker. Thanks. I was really proud of myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of being proud, Finland should be proud for its progressiveness when it comes to nationally recognized sports. Today I'm going to talk about something that Pete, to give you the background of how I got to this, <laughs> Pete told me about it. Because I was like, oh yeah, we need to do a podcast. I don't know. And I, was I, fighting- have to, I have to cut in and just say, I don't know if it's like a cosmic thing or what, but just, and I don't know if you share the same situation, Marissa, but I feel like horses are on the rise. <laughs> mm. I mean, I Ever since we had our horse discussion. <laughs> For us, they're on the rise for the Philip family. <laughs> but outside of that, I'm not sure. Sorry, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not ready for them to be on the rise on a large scale. So I was like, oh, I need a uh, topic. And I was probably going like, to Google like wet wipes again. But thankfully, <laughs> Pete saved me by sending me an article. Now, question. Did you read the whole article? No. Good, because... Well, first of all, you were going to cover it, and then I was like, well, I don't have to read it all anymore. Okay, good, because mostly I'm just going to take stuff from a New York Times article that was published a couple days ago. And I was Googling a little bit, and a lot of people were just referencing the New York Times article. If I went deep enough... This is like bird punk. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So, basically, Pete was like, do you know about hobby horse girls? And in my mind, I was like girls who be on those like horses on a stick and i was like but it can't be that and alas it is and then Uh, i sent her a video and i said if this intrigues you enough i'll print a pdf of the article and then i just imagine marissa clicking on a link at work and then just a girl galloping around on a hobby horse playing and like her co-workers being like what's up with that bitch (laughs) thankfully we have like totally separate cubicles so no one could see it also most of my coworkers are weirdly open-minded, or yeah. at least like to know about my dumb shit. <laughs> but no, none of them noticed. Um, so, I'm going to talk about the hobby horse girls of Finland. So, if you are not familiar with what a hobby horse is, it is a toy with a plush horse head, and usually a little, like, I don't know, like, fibrous hair, or like yarn, or like something plush, and a simple wooden stick for the body. So it's like you're riding a broom, but with a horse's head. Okay, so apparently, and hobby horses are usually like attributed to like very small children. And I feel like in an old, an old timey setting, also, I don't really think of like modern day children on hobby horses. No, they have hobby horse apps. Okay. <laughs> so this article focuses on the once underground movement of Finnish girls girls from Finland, who conducts elaborate routines with toy hobby horses. And apparently, as of late, it has gone mainstream in Finland, not across the world, with coaches, nationally recognized competitions, 
and trainers, and they claim it's spreading abroad. Now, while it might seem absurd, <laughs> like, to me, I was like, ooh, it sounds like LARPing or something, but uh, this is apparently considered a serious sport to these girls and to these coaches. Most of the girls in the hobby horse scene are in their tweens, but there are people older. And national championships take place in Finland every summer. So there is someone called Alisa Ayrniamioki. I don't know how to say that. She is considered the hobby horse scene's unofficial spokesperson. And it's kind of like the influencer of hobby horse, like, of the hobby horse scene. Like the she Serena started, Williams of yes. hobby horses. Uh, she is now 22, but she started hobby horsing. I don't know if that's a term, but I've decided. Damn right she it is. started about like 10 years ago. She's traveled all across Europe giving hobby horse demonstrations, and she apparently helped kick off local scenes in the Netherlands, Russia, and Sweden. When she was describing how people perceive it, she says that the one thing that drives her crazy is when people describe her hobby horse pursuit as playing. If someone says we're playing, it strips away everything we made. It strips away the reality, says Miss Ayanoki. She says, but within the rapidly expanding community, that issue doesn't really come up these days. She says, I haven't run into that sort of situation in a long time. I live in a bubble that is filled with hobby horses. However, <laughs> when she first started when she was 12, people made fun of her. But apparently it's becoming so well known that, you know, the stigma is kind of going away. What she says about people playing, that like people pointing out that she's playing, when I thought about this, I immediately was like, this is amazing. But I was immediately like, I could only get in on this if every single person in the world acknowledged this is legit. Because the moment one person was like, girl, why are you riding on a stick and talking like it real? <laughs> I would be humiliated. Yeah. So what exactly do people do in a hobby horse scene, you ask? Well, first off, I will say no one knows exactly when Finnish hobby horsing or the hobby horse scene began uh, because it spread for years under the radar before like even adults became aware that it was a thing. Are you are you in a hobby horse? <laughs> <laughs> are you are you not, a hobby? Not here. <laughs> but in 2012, uh, a filmmaker named Selma Vilkunen stumbled across uh, hobby horse discussion boards on the internet, and she was, as they say, enraptured. Teenage girls were who invented. <laughs> a form of hobby horse dressage. And dressage is like horse prancing and horse showmanship and doing all those like routines and In stuff. In America, we call that dressage. No, we don't. <laughs> we do not. Okay. <laughs> and so you're like, how do they do that with a horse? The hobby horse doesn't run. Well, I will tell you. <laughs> the rider's lower body prances and gallops like a horse. Mm -hmm. Her upper body remains erect and motionless as the rider. <laughs> so this then evolved into an elaborate network of, like I said, coaches and students and competitions. But at first it was only discussed online for the most part. But like I said, it's becoming more mainstream. During a competition, a judge will call out these these hobby horses to do things that like would normally happen at like a dressage competition. They need to walk I said walk. You I meant did? walk. <laughs> yeah, they need to walk, trot, and canter all during this, this competition. 
and then something I don't understand. It says the judges asked them for a three-step rainback. That classic test of a dressage horse's training and obedience. Don't know what that means. So I wonder the judge, if the horse just steps back. Three steps, I guess. I don't know. And, and maybe it bows. <laughs> and winks. And, and, and winks it goes bashful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the judges during these competitions will look on very seriously. It's not a laughing matter. And they will take notes about the uh, rider's performance. So... These two girls that were in this article were talking about how they were training for summertime competitions. The two of, the two of them choreographed a two-part dressage routine to a song by the rapper Nelly. Who doesn't speak Finnish. So, you know, just to give you an idea of what these things may seem like. And during these competitions, there's even more in-depth things that take place. For example, a veterinarian at one of these competitions lectured the girls on hobby horse vaccination schedules, Holy saying, shit. check that their eyes are clear and that there is no nasal discharge. The girls would then discuss hobby horse bloodlines and hobby horse temperaments, hobby horse training routines, and hobby horse diets. So glad I didn't do this and I gave it to you. <laughs> there were various, rhinest uh, various rhinestone studded and elaborately decorated horse bridles for sale. So the thing is, I don't know if you got it from this point, they not only have those performances like the horses are real, they talk about their horses as if they're real. So they then kind of feature these two little girls going about their everyday lives. And they were uh, spotlighting how these two girls had their hobby horses during the snowy time. And the one girl brings uh, her hobby horse over to her friend's house. And she's like, my hobby horse is named Tarzan. He's a very gentle horse. He learns fast, and he really loves to jump. And then the two girls set out into the cold. They broke into a run, pounding the slush with their boots. Then they cut into the forest into deep snow. They galloped through strands of straggly pines until their cheeks burned. They knew the terrain by heart, running along pathways that were invisible under the snow. But did the they girls ran... know it, or did the hobby horses know the terrain? <laughs> you don't have to answer they ran for an hour laughing all the way and were ready to go on much further into the forest they would have if their mothers hadn't called them home I said that's where my this is a very short one for me but basically I did touch on all the main honey points. dinner's ready get off your broom horse <laughs> <laughs> but yeah basically I thought it was interesting that there's a whole network of adult people who go along with this and who judge them. Also, what I find fascinating is hobby horsing is a fairly new thing, presumably. So are the judges that are adults, are they judging them on, like, horse, traditional horse dressage standards? Right. Or are they making sure that they have some hobby horsism in their background? I want to know. About Are these the girls wearing helmets too? Like in what I've these seen, no. hobby horses could buck them, and they just that is break very their heads true. right open. That is very true. Uh, I don't know if people wear helmets in dressage. I don't know because dressage is not the jumps. I don't think dressage. Is, I could be wrong though. If you perhaps know you didn't watch the trailer to the documentary about this. Why but there are jumps? <laughs> no, there are jumps. As I'm saying, I don't know if dressage is jumps though. Okay. 
I don't know. There's two types of competitions. No, no, no. I know that there are drunks. Let me Google dressage while we're while we're all here. Um, I'm just happy that I didn't get to cover this because I didn't want to seem like a man who's like, look at these silly girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like okay. again, you know, I, I, I hate if you're a weird girl in Finland. It's great that you have a network. <laughs> I mean, I think it's awesome. Wait, is there jumping? Is there jumping really? Is just flat work except for the moment that the horse is in the air? Or if I, basically, each round is actually more dressage than jumping. What? Does dressage involve jumping? Show jumping, jumping. I think. Jumping and dressage could be involved in the same thing, but I don't think dressage has to involve jumping, if that makes sense. Okay. Also, I googled, (laughs) was it trying to be funny? I googled, quote, do dressage have jumps? All right. Do dressage have jumps? (laughs) Not, does dressage have jumps? Marissa only googles questions, guys. You <laughs> <laughs> and Pete Google's dressage jumps go. What do you? Yeah. Do? How would you Google that? Tell me. Yeah, that's probably exactly what I would do. Okay, nice. Two two words and go. Keywords. No, but you you I meant you type go. I can do that. <laughs> dressage jumps go exclamation point enter. <laughs> you don't type enter. Okay, okay. this uh, this segue. So you're you're kind of like happy with what you found. Are you trying to say? Are you proud of yourself for doing so little research? No. <laughs> are you proud of yourself for reading the article that I sent you? Um, I no. Like, like if you were, let's say, you were a girl in Finland right now, you think you could get behind this? Again, I would absolutely get behind it. Do I think I could be a participant? I don't know. It really depends how mainstream it is. And that really sucks because I pride myself on not really caring about what people think. But I will tell you. Put yourself back, though, to when you were a kid and you, like, go over to your friend's house and your friend goes, do you want to eat meat, my horse? And then you go in in the backyard and she opens up the shed (laughs) and there's a little hobby horse and she picks it up and she's stroking its, its mane. Well, here's the thing. And you go, that horse is fine because it's not muscular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I could have a great time playing with hobby horses as a child. Let's say as I'm getting my t- into my teen years. Your mom's putting so much pressure any- on you to win competitions. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I would, <laughs> I would say not that I would be so ashamed if it's not mainstream, but I could be taken out of it quite easily. Yeah. Like, I feel like if someone's like, the f- then I would be like, you're right. Like, I couldn't maintain the illusion. So I think that's the bigger problem. But I would love, I like, I love it. I would want to be like this, like, badass, like, make this goth hobby horse. I want to be like the, the bad girl of the hobby horse scene. That's what I want to be. All right. So, segue it up, B. Or don't. I don't think I have a segue for this particular topic. I ended up doing a piece, and you could blow this right out of the water, Marissa, if I ask you the first sentence, and you're like, yeah, I know who that is. <laughs> so mm. keep that keep that in mind, you know? Okay. Do you know who Chuck Tingle is? No. Okay. You Are you Googling him right now? 
Yeah, but I won't actually read anything. I just wanted a picture. There is no picture. We'll talk about that in a bit, though. I mean, prior, prior to both this, pictures. Prior to this week. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Prior to this week, I had uh, never heard of Chuck Tingle, but he's been around for like six years. Can I just see the title of one book once you say what he is? I was. Uh, I have a few that I'll throw out, and then you're welcome okay. to contribute one as well. This sounds like our, the person we went to grad school with. So Marissa and I, as she just mentioned, we went to writing school, and we met a lot of people who took writing very seriously. And if writing worked out for me, I would probably take it seriously too, but it didn't. So I began to teach writing, and I quickly took the ethically ambiguous stance that I have today, which is, everybody can write. And while it's true that not everybody can write, as many people can write as can play softball, for example. Yes. (laughs) And people join leagues and they play softball after work. You know, they do it for fun. They're not professional softball players. Some people play once in a while. Some people play as much as they can. My boss plays once a week. Mm Mm-hmm. They're all people who play softball. Similarly, if you have interest and you can learn some basics, you can also write. Chuck Tingle is a writer, kind of. So after I began to... So I hit the same problem that Marissa hit, and now we'll throw in a, y'all heard you could do this. Uh, I sent Marissa the article in the New York Times, and she was like, I I read my five articles for the month. (laughs) So... I found that if you run your browser in private mode, it resets your five articles. Ooh, nice. But I was too lazy to open my browser in that mode. So I just Googled um, Hobby Horse Finland, and I came across a website called boingboing.net. And at the bottom of this article about the hobby horses, which, as Marissa said, linked out to the New York Times one, there was an ad that talked about a pornographic version of the Mueller report. It sounded hilarious, and so, I, and so I clicked on it, and it revealed this synopsis. Ron isn't a fan of Donald Trump, but he can't help feeling like the doomsday predictions of this man's upcoming presidency are a little overblown. overblown. As far as Ron can tell, nothing in his daily routine has really altered that much. All of this changes, however, when Ron notices a little black censorship bar lying on the sidewalk and even more hanging from a familiar apple tree. This is how Ron learns that Trump has signed an executive order to redact the concept of apples. But Ron Ron still does his best to ignore it. Soon, Dom Trump is redacting things left and right, sending the entire country into turmoil. When a heroic redacted shows up to save the day, will him and Ron be able to prove love is real while there's still time left. This erotic tale is 4,100 words of sizzling human on sentient, censored being action. Okay. So, a creature known as a redacted comes to the planet to save the day, and presumably, Ron will at some point have gay sex with it. Oh, yeah. Uh, because that's what Chuck Tingle specializes in. Yeah, yeah. Now, research shows, if I may point out for the sake of, uh, you know, transparency, this uh, story was published originally back in 2017 as Trump was, um, you know, in the, I guess, I, we don't want to necessarily say early days, but yeah, uh-huh. early in Trump's presidency. 
but it was mistakenly picked up as new because of all the redaction jokes about the Mueller report that have been floating around lately. Still, it sounded fun. And in many cases, uh, you get to page 30 or 40, you know, say 30 of 40 pages before porn tends to start in Chuck Tingle stories. Uh Initially, I didn't realize this was a book. Writing is the third medium that I think of when the word porn comes around. (laughs) And then even if I think about it a little more, it's probably down to five. (laughs) Yeah. So I discovered that this guy, Chuck Tingle, has a tremendous collection of work, all self-published and all for sale on Amazon. Tremendous. Including many tales that are funny on their face by title alone. Can I say one? Can I say one? Go for it. Slammed by my handsome fidget spinner. That's not even a good one, if you ask me. I love it. Space Raptor Butt Invasion. Okay. Unicorn Butt Cops. Beach Patrol. No! Glazed by the Gay Living Donuts. Okay. Pounded in the Butt by my book. Pounded in the Butt by my own butt. Which is, by the way, a wait, meta wait, wait, book. Wait. Is that all one title? Yes. A meta book in which the author gets pounded in the butt by a book he wrote which is about a scientist who cloned his butt and then got pounded in the butt by his own butt. Are these all jokes? There's also Pokey Butt Go, pounded by them all. So these are jokes, right? Then there's Living Inside My Own... This is, by the way, one title. Living Inside My Own Butt for Eight Years. Starting a business and turning a profit through common sense reinvestment and strategic targeted marketing. Okay, that is the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. And lastly, I want and most relatably, everywhere. pounded in the butt by the crushing existential weight of sentient self-awareness. <laughs> Chuck Dingle has been at this for six years, and uh, I am where Marissa is right now, where I was like, this is amazing and stupid and hilarious and fun, and I can't wait to jump into the world of Chuck Dingle. Seriously. I feel like his success is pretty amazing. He even has a podcast form that came from the producers of Welcome to Night Vale. You shouldn't be surprised to learn that his podcast is called Pounded in the Butt by My Own Podcast. Of course. Podcast famous people read his stories or selections from his stories. He introduces the guest. This is the first time that we, air quote, meet Chuck Tingle. We hear his voice in these recordings. He also had a couple of like podcast interviews that came before that. His voice sounds like a, a lot of blathering. He has a pseudo-Southern accent, but he is allegedly born in Utah and living in Montana. I can't say for sure that he isn't a character being acted out by someone. Okay, that would bum me out. On Reddit and Twitter, Chuck says that he is a 40-some-year-old man who has a son named John who is responsible for editing and extra parts of his publishing process. John says his father is neurodivergent, a.k.a. on the spectrum. This gave me pause. I began to wonder, with the repetitive slamming, pounding, ramming, all these words, are these words that a writer of porn would use sincerely or just for effect? If these stories are of a genuine human who is autistic and schizophrenic, then what exactly is he saying? Is it okay to laugh at the story if this person is making it? I mean, Meaning, does yes. the person know that they're making a parody in some ways? But even if they don't, you're still... I mean, I don't know. Why couldn't you laugh? 
Let's add to the idea that the bio of Chuck Tingle includes him being married to a woman, having a son, living with his son after his wife leaves him. There's no evidence, per se, that he's gay. And if you believe him, he's a doctor of a program that doesn't exist, which oozes parody and satire. Okay, okay. Um, He says he's a doctor of massage therapy, I believe, and that he got this doctorate from DeVry University. Which is a for-profit, ha-ha college. <laughs> a ha-ha that, college? Yeah, that doesn't offer any doctorates. Oh. Oh, ha Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, if Larry the Cable Guy was Larry the Autistic Gay Guy, would we all be okay with that? No. Larry the Cable Guy sought to be a charming country yokel, a lovable fool, but the region that he chose to represent is kind of wrought with questionable historical stances, and so some people were a little turned off by that guy. Layered, yeah. Then I found out that there are dozens of theories about who Chuck Tingle really is. And Marissa, if you feel like looking this up, you can look up. There's um, one of the titles re- refers to people trying to figure out who he is. Okay. Like, pounded in the butt by people trying to figure out who Chuck Tingle's <laughs> real identity is, or something like oh, that. Oh my god. I think the most re- the most like reliable guess is that he's not one person. His writing is so simplistic that anyone could pick up a pen and write one of these books as long as they employ the most batshit ideas that they can think of. Mm-hmm. Pieces come out three or four a month as well. In one situation, I believe there was one every single day of the week one week. I mean, why not? They're bad enough that you would believe one person wrote them all, but one person with, and, and I think one person with no job definitely could. But the leading theory is that he is a game developer from Massachusetts named Andrew Hussey. This is a deep theory that I will not go into because it's so strange. Uh, because this guy is a creative and he made a game and he has a questionable sort of like unsavory kind of question mark something or other. And he sounds like he's kind of a dick, but you know. What I found most interesting about this is that tens of thousands of people know who Andrew Hussey is and who Chuck Tingle is, and neither you or I knew who either of them were today. I know. And it just kind of, and it doesn't doesn't make our lives any better or worse that we know this right now. I mean, speak for yourself. (laughs) But a ton of gaming people out there uh, in forums and everything like that have crafted all these theories, all these conspiracy theories about who these people are. At a point, there's talk that a Chuck Tingle RPG game is in the work. What? They Why? A, they started a Kickstarter. It raised Marissa. Hold on to your pants. Oh, my God. $85,000. Oh, my God. Guess this, what? Yeah, this is all a troll thing. I Guess think what? No game. <gasps> what do you mean? They didn't deliver anything. Oh, my God. The yeah, this is all a troll thing. The Kickstarter sure. was created by a game designer named Zoe Quinn, who is apparently very popular, or I shouldn't say popular, very well-known because of Gamergate many years ago. Uh, she was overseeing the project, and there was a real slick video that I believe was on Vice about them working on this game and putting it together and everything like that. It was sort of like a muscly man with no shirt on and wearing a unicorn head, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it looked like it was going to be fun and weird, and she was very excited when she talked, but they didn't do anything, as far as anyone can tell, despite 
his tweets promoting the fundraiser after all the money was collected and people started asking him where's the game he claimed that he wasn't affiliated with it at all oh my gosh this to me was the crack in the veneer that made me start to believe that this wasn't a real guy yeah given marissa's coverage of hatsune miku being a fake singer would it be that horrible that's not a secretly fake singer like people right yeah okay but would it be that bad if chuck single wasn't a real human if he says he's a mystic yeah that's weird feel like it kind of would be because if you hear him and you start to imagine that it's someone's impression of a person with schizophrenia and autism that's kind of messed up yeah so i liked it until that yeah that doesn't seem right in the stories at least as they're read on his podcast Chuck's characters are, I think, pretty relatable. They have normal problems with existentialism, politics, love, self-awareness, mental health, and, of course, sex. But that sex usually comes two-thirds of the way through, and then, yeah, it gets pretty graphic. Uh, but then again, there are some purely niche sex fantasy uh, stories with little character development. I'm looking at you, unicorn cops. <laughs> so what do we learn from my discovery of Chuck Tingle. First, Google's algorithm is going to be sending me to a lot of weird places for the next couple of weeks. And secondly, oh. Chuck Tingle's mission statement is related to love. It says he wants to prove love to everyone who kisses. We can all agree that love is good, right? <laughs> and maybe a good illustration of that love is his closest brush with fame before that whole $85,000 thing. In 2015, a group of internet trolls decided that they would help target the Hugo Awards, which are a set of literary awards given annually for the best science fiction or fantasy works. They got Chuck Tingle in as a finalist in the awards for science fiction short story. This group attempted to take advantage of the sort of free-for-all nomination system, yes, and get Space Raptor Butt Invasion on the list for best short fiction story. Right. They did it as a joke. The group that nominated him held a number of questionable positions themselves, at least their leader did. So Chuck announces that the previously mentioned gamer, who is affiliated with the $85,000 thing, Zoe Quinn, would accept the award if he won. Tingle's only public appearances are with a bag over his head, wearing oh. a kung fu, like a, like a, you know, karate whites, I'll say, because I can't think of the right <laughs> term. Huh. So... He doesn't win the award, but he uses the opportunity to pit his fans against the group who nominated him by choosing love. The group who trolled him were conservatives that were mocking him, who had posted homophobic and racist comments online. Yeah. Chuck took his time in the spotlight, and he turned that spotlight to support for LGBTQ health and online harassment victims groups. He's called okay. absurdist but he really did troll the trolls in a very genuine way. If Chuck Tingle isn't a real person, but a conglomeration of creatives, does it make him less interesting? I don't really no, know. No, but I still just wish he wasn't fake autistic, if that's true, because he seems yeah. to be doing interesting things otherwise. Because it reminds me a little bit of Zardulu. It reminds me a little bit of Hatsune Miku. Oh, okay. If we discover that he isn't real, does that negate his work? I don't think so. It no. just refocuses the lens a bit. Yeah, makes, yeah. It makes the magnitude of it much more believable and understandable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, come on, how can you be doing that all that time? Like, I, every I, day having a book? 
I know that Marissa is going to make fun of me for using this term, but I feel like it's kind of weird out here in a post-truth world. (laughs) There are people who spend so much time searching for the worst truth about a person so that they can put them in their place, but are we willing to accept these abstract ideas of creatives as a thing that we can be into just yet? If you found out this was a troop of people who put out these stories on a regular basis, I feel like people might look at it and see it as a little less, you know, impressive. But I would look um, at it and be like, whoa, good on you. That was an interesting, like, piece of art. I would consider the whole effort of an art installation or or performance. But then I wouldn't be able to keep being like, wow, look at that. Like, I feel like the magic would be negated once you find that out. And that doesn't negate the awesomeness of the previous, but that does... I think hurt you from going further with it. Right. And I could see somebody saying too, like, well, people don't go to see Tom Jones's band. They go to see Tom Jones. You need a Tom Jones figure, you know, in the front that people can relate to and associate with or something like that. I don't know about you, Morris. I really relate to Tom Jones. Uh, nope, but okay. Is this a possible future for creative work? in a media cycle that doesn't really allow for breaks, right? Everybody's like, mm-hmm. that all album was amazing, when's the next one? That show was amazing, when's your next one? That concert was amazing, when are you going to come to town again, right? Yeah. Maybe the cycle is so demanding that creating a persona like this and working behind him is a really easy way to kind of get work done. And if that's the case, Marissa, why haven't we gotten in on this yet? <laughs> well, there's still time, Pete. Maybe this yes. is the beginning of our next next step yeah we haven't made it as our ourselves as writers yet but maybe we could be part of a collective (laughs) that's the end of my coverage of chuck tingle now if you are a chuck tingle fan and you discovered this episode of the podcast i have to admit i spent maybe a few hours (laughs) researching this and i did not delve as deep as i should in order to accurately represent this artistic figure and blah 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 but those are the broad strokes. If you are Chuck Tingle, give us a call at 570. Please don't. 511. <laughs> that was interesting. Didn't see that. Titles of the books are amazing. Kind of wish it was one person. Pretty certain it's not, but really wish it was. Yeah. And I feel like, too, if it is one person, it's like some smart ass in his like, late 20s or 30s or something like that. It's I don't feel... I don't know. Wait, what? Did you finish? You said, I don't feel... I don't know? I, I have a hard time rectifying the person because, you know, like, okay, so if you are a person with autism and a person who suffers from schizophrenia, and then you go even further to say you're a, you're like a, again, he's always wearing these karate clothes and he oh, I is, think I um, saying that. and he, uh, is claiming to be a doctor, that sort of thing. People address him as doctor on Twitter when they talk to him because they want to, gain his respect in it and get his attention and stuff but it's very odd and i feel like like that's an obvious lie in fact the writer of a vox article reached out to devry and devry said we don't never have and couldn't even imagine a doctoral program <laughs> in massage therapy <laughs> yeah 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 that's hilarious okay so it's hard to reconcile it all but Which, so nobody thinks they've seen him right right there are YouTube videos. I know you videos. heard me typing. I'm sorry. I was typing a Chuck Tingle thing. 
There are YouTube videos of him at a Comic-Con event. There's also a video of him speaking, and it said that you can see him in the video, but it's really just a picture of a person in... I really need to know what this outfit is called, Marissa. What, the karate clothes? Yeah. That's a gi. So, a person in a gi, thank you. You're welcome. Um, I wasn't bold enough to guess, but I did know that. (laughs) laying on the ground with a bag on his head. And then, yeah, there's a piece at Comic-Con. Now, at a different Comic-Con event, there was a person who made buttons that said, I am Chuck Tingle, and passed them out to everybody, as if to say that Chuck Tingle, I don't want to say is in all of us. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but... But (laughs) you know what I mean. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm looking, I Googled it, and there's this guy that came up in a gi on a beach, but that can't be right. That maybe Yes, that's the one that goes, like, on the back of the books and goes on his website and is on his Twitter. Oh, yeah, it's an ISOP photo. Okay, you're right. Yeah. That's a shame. Did you want to describe any of the book covers, which he allegedly photoshops himself? Um, They're all, like, really muscular men. Ooh. Space Raptor Butt Invasion has a has a... <laughs> has what looks like to be a raptor or an alligator in an astronaut suit on the moon on a Segway and then a ripped shirtless man just in the front being like, hey. They all feature a ripped shirtless man. Yeah, um, let me see. I got uh, pounded butt confifi. Pounded in the butt by confifi. A shirtless guy in some jeans, like smiling smugly. And then a splash of brown, like coffee or something. In the background, but there's a man's smiling face photoshopped into the middle of it. Yes, yes, there's a lot of that. Uh, not pounded in the butt by anything, but that's okay. Yeah, there's there's newer books about consent. Okay. Uh, um, pounded by the gay color changing dress. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, oh, man, I could look at these forever. Bigfoot uh, pirates haunt my balls. <laughs> Gotta do that. <laughs> Oppressed in the butt by my inclusive holiday coffee cups. <laughs> I'm in love with him. But Buttland, Ryan Gosling in the city of butts. Angry man pounded by the fear of his latent gayness over a dinosaur transitioning into a unicorn. <laughs> pounded in the butt by the fact that it took less time for this book to be written and published than the entire length of Tony Scaramucci's term as the White House communications director. Nope, too much. He needs to learn when it's too much. Fake oh, news, is... real boners. I like fake news, real boners. <laughs> this is uh, in October of 2016 is the one that I was talking about before. Pounded in the butt by my constantly changing thoughts on the ongoing mystery of Chuck Tingle's real identity. <laughs> I like that. The call is coming from inside your butt. Ooh, yeah. I like that. Ooh. Ooh, that's my favorite. <laughs> um, oh, so okay. if you do happen to be interested enough to listen to Pounded in the Butt by my own podcast, yes, there are graphic depictions of sex happening in the story, okay? Um, but it's worth noting that the people are reading, like the people who are reading them are not Chuck Tingle. And that makes it better because he does introduce the reader and you go, I can't listen to a whole. In fact, he has a Christmas episode where nobody else is on it and it's 10 minutes long and I couldn't get through it because of the way that he speaks. And and that makes me feel really bad if he, in fact, is an autistic 
person and I can't listen to the way that he speaks. Uh, but I don't think that it's true. I think it's a person pretending or, or something. I'm not sure. And then I, I would feel even worse if I found out that it was true and I'm sitting here telling you that I don't believe it is true. Yeah. And this I is what I'm know. talking about. What is truth? I know. It's hard. Hashtag Good Friday. Oh, it's hard. Hard. Bucks yep. and balls and dicks. Oh, yeah. So um, in May of 2018, he had Wednesday pounds me in the butt, Thursday pounds me in the butt, Friday pounds me, Saturday, Sunday, etc. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Creamed in the butt by my handsome living corn. corn. Yeah. The banana in my butt is a handsome lifeguard. Oh, God. Yep. I want to be him. <laughs> it's so good. Pounded in the butt by my Hugo Award loss. Oh. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Butt Raptor. Oh. <laughs> it's really good. Like, really good. <laughs> Canada, this is from March of this year. Canada pounds my butt and covers my pancakes with real maple syrup in an erotic way. Also, <laughs> it is delicious. <laughs> Whoa! Chuck T- Tingle has an erotic adult coloring and activity book. Does not surprise me. Oh, by the way, if you're like, I'm not really into short stories, Pete, I prefer something a little meatier. Yes, he does have novels. <laughs> of course, he has something, quote, meatier. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they have Dr. Chuck Tingle's Guide to Romance? Guide to the Void? <laughs> what is the Void? Oh, complete guide. I'm going to look at what the complete guide to the Void is. Oh, just in case you don't realize this, I know that Marissa knows this, but just in case you guys don't realize this, there's a whole erotic genre of people banging dinosaurs. Oh, yeah. Like, the whole thing exists. This is actually, and it's so big, that this is a parody and that's the way that people talk about it. It's a satire of self-published uh, erotic fantasy uh, slash gay porn slash dinosaur bonin. And Pete knows a thing or two about dinosaur bonin. Am I right? I do like dinosaurs. Bonin. <laughs> so, Marissa. Yeah. Glad I could turn you on to this wonderful, weird thing. Um, that was great. I'll say this much, in March of 2018, the podcast started, uh, but there has not been any new episodes since Christmas time. I do not know if that's because they're in, like, an off period or if it's just not Mm. continuing. That's a shame. But if you don't have time to read, you can always listen. It's kind of fun, too, because, yeah, the the people who are reading them are like, what is this? (laughs) That sounds fun. Adds another layer of awareness. But, uh, yeah, so that's what I had to cover this week. I am so sorry. If you wanted to learn something more interesting. No, I liked it. Nobody matters but me. Plugs. Marissa? Yes. Do you have anything to plug this week? I will just say this isn't quite a plug, but while we were booting up to start this podcast, I still have the What's a Quarter Eats Instagram, but I don't do it anymore because I'm trying to reassess my life and see what I can mentally handle doing long term. Because I tend to do too many things. Uh, and someone just said, please come back. And it made me feel good. It made me feel good that I missed. I do that once in a while with, um, there's a podcast that I like called Hollow Public Radio. And it's beautiful, but it's so well produced. They used to put them out once a month. And then now it's like once every three months. Mm-hmm. But one time I did that on Twitter, I was like, no pressure, but really like your podcast. Hope that you put out another episode sometime. And they were like, thanks. <laughs> it's nice to know that you're liked. Yeah. 
So, for my plug, look at my What's the Career Eats Instagram that I don't use anymore. <laughs> and comment on it so that Marissa can feel better about herself. If enough people comment on it, maybe I'll do it again. We need another music video. I really... That, that, you, don't, that you don't have the license to use the music for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really just want to focus on my Victorian stuff, Pete. I think you need to follow your heart. That's where my heart has always been and just where it will stay. So maybe Pete, do like once a month what Sakura eats. Yeah. Or maybe yeah, you do it you like on what? special holidays or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Keep them on their toes. Scarcity, you know. Scarcity. Like a cam girl. Just be like, I'm going live in 10 minutes. <laughs> be there, bitches. But I'll babble my clothes on the whole time. Of course. Of course. So Pete, what are you going to plug? I wanted so listen, Marissa, big SNL fan. I don't know how you felt about this guy, Tim Robinson, when he was on SNL. He was such a weirdo, and he never really seemed like he fit anywhere. Are you gonna? Are you gonna plug his nef- the Netflix yes. show? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Is it good? I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. I sat down and I was like, I'm gonna watch this. No episode is over 20 minutes. There's only six episodes, so I'm like, I'm gonna sit down and watch this, and you know, check my phone and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not going to say that it's like five stars amazing. Mm-hmm. What I am going to say is there are moments that are five star amazing. Okay. And the thing that I love the most about the whole entire piece is that all the sketches are rooted in a sort of like toxic personality. And since he's a man, it kind of goes that way a little bit. Okay. But a personality that can't admit defeat or wrongdoing, or that they're out of the loop on anything. And I okay. feel like we all know somebody who's, like, one of those things. Oh, uh, for sure. And these are characters would that would resoundingly be completely full of shit, then exhibit any ounce of vulnerability or, like, not knowing what's going on. And yeah. I think it's hilarious the way that he plays it. And plus, he always seems to push it way, way, way over. Back to the beginning of the episode when I said, I feel like horse stuff is coming up all over the place. The last episode of this show has a sketch in which a horse farm is raising horses. They've been breeding horses so that they have smaller penises. What? So that men who go to the ranch aren't threatened. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I gotta be honest with you, I love to laugh, and I laugh regularly throughout the day. But, like, I don't, like, lose my breath laughing. I did watching this show. Not the whole thing, but parts of it. And so... I would encourage you to check that out. Okay, cool. Otherwise. Would you, would, you, would you say I should check it out, me specifically? Do you think I would like it? I would watch the sixth episode and then decide whether you or not you want to proceed with the whole thing. Six? Yeah, the last one. Okay, got it. Because I would say that the episodes prior are like fewer hits. Okay. But the last one has more hits than misses and so if if you like that you might go it's worth it for me to watch the other one so that i can hit those peaks which i think are pretty big by the way you might watch it and be like this is this is garbage but like um okay cool you can always check us out on itunes spotify stitcher google some other shit call us at 570 podwad one slide into my dms i've learned that slide into my dms is always a sex thing Whatever. At this point, I'm pretty desperate, not for sex, for people to react to our podcast. Wouldn't it be funny if you went on a Twitter and you said, like, an inbox flooded with DMs because everybody thinks you mean that? <laughs> I mean on Instagram. I don't use Twitter. I have a Twitter, but I don't really use it. 
you can always DM you at y'all heard pod on Twitter. That's true. Um, and I will pass it along to Marissa or I will engage with it myself. If it's sexual, I promise to engage with it. <laughs> and I have Don't send to. me a dick pic. If you Thank send you. a dick pic, we will block you. Dick pics are still lame. Um, They're not but- like, good. Dicks are fine, but like, without a face, like, why would anyone care about anybody's dick? Nobody wants a... Uh, uh, isolated vagina pick. If you think you do, you clearly never got one. <laughs> you clearly have never actually seen a vagina. I'm sorry. Oh, you can also go to our website, yallheard.me. Mm. And I think that's about it. Very quickly, I just wanted to mention at the end of the show here, bonus for anybody who's stuck around this long. One, Sarah Sinto, thanks for still listening. Two, you were talking about bidets with your mom. I happened to decide to talk to my mom about the topic that I covered that episode, which, yes, was a man who murdered 13 people. And her thoughts? I was driving us to a store, and I said, hey, you know what happened on this street? <laughs> I said, a guy murdered 13 people, and seven of them were kids. Like, Why do <laughs> you know like, this? She was like, did you tell her anything about bidets? No. Fine. I don't think my mom knows what a podcast is Maybe. that we have one. <laughs> She would love to learn about the days. Ever thought about that? Yeah. Our bathroom's not big enough to get one, but oh. we no, always put get one, one in a shower. Get a, get a magic toilet with it in. Just saying. So, guys, give us your thoughts on anything you'd like. Yeah, anything you'd like. Yeah. I'm willing to take suggestions for topics. Marissa's usually not. We're always um, looking for icebreakers. Like fun. If they're not fun, I don't care. Oh, Which, somebody way, gave me something. Shit, what was it? Somebody just gave me something. Mike Venos, I could never find any tab, so I did not get to cover the tab shortage. I don't even know if it is a shortage anymore. The soda? look into that, yeah. Oh, so you meant, like, internet. Yeah, I, I ran out of tabs in my browser. There's <laughs> <laughs> a real tab shortage. I actually thought that I didn't say that to be funny. Because <laughs> it's not really funny. It's just, yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening, y'all. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.